our our purpose is not just to be funny. I am trying to. We just are funny. We can't help it. It just comes naturally. You couldn't you couldn't hide it if you wanted. <laughs> right. But my goal in life is not to be a funny guy. My goal in life is to figure out how can I um, do the most with this life. Yeah. I was talking to our friend Trevor last night. I stayed up late visiting him. Okay. And maybe we could get him on the show. We can try. I talked to him about it, but he's kind of nervous. He's a big old baby. Trevor, you're a wimp if you don't come on. Yeah, we're, we'll cut this if you do. We won't if you don't. <laughs> no. Um, it'd be great to have Trevor in here. He's a, we don't have to cut it. He'll never watch it. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> I don't know who our four viewers are, but I'm pretty sure Trevor's not one of them. <laughs> but... Um, he had a he had an interesting thing that he just was talking about and it triggered something in my head. Um he's a gymnastics coach. Yeah. And he talked about his he was saying that he misses the fact when he was younger he was so into it and he could put all his effort into gymnastics and coaching kids in gymnastics. And he still does it, but he only is able to do it um, once a week or periodically because he's got three kids now of his own. And, but he was telling me about his best student and he goes, when I was younger, I had one student and he would do whatever I told him to do. Hmm. I would tell him to do something. And this guy would go, this kid would just take what Trevor says and give it everything he's got. And he goes, man, I never, ever pushed a kid as hard as I could push that kid. He goes, the kids I have now, I wouldn't dream of pushing them as hard as I push that one kid. And I was like, isn't that interesting? Because from the coach's point of view, he wants, he is going to push every kid as hard as they can be pushed. And if you've got one that will do whatever the coach says, the coach doesn't say, oh, great. You did everything I said, then your homework's done and we, we can have a light day. It's no, like, the coach goes, well, all right, it's you, time to get you busy. did it. Next step, next yeah. step. And I thought, honestly, that is what I, <laughs> I thought that should be my goal. My, my goal should be the student that God goes, this kid will do whatever I tell him. Yeah. So then when I do it, then God's like, great. More, more, more. Let's see how far we can go down this road. I mean, that's a really kind of a scary thought on one hand, but I mean, we only get one shot at life. So which one do you want to be? Do you want to be in the big class? That's like gets the, where the coach can't do anything with you. Or do you want to be the guy that the coach goes, ha, I'm going to run you into the ground if you'll take it. Because at the end, you're going to be a much better performer in gymnastics you mean the goal is gymnastics, so you're going to be the best I can make you. Yeah, isn't that great? That's that's a it's an exciting thought, and then the converse also hit me, where it's like the Bible says that God will never uh, give us more than we can handle. He won't tempt you beyond what you can handle. You know, He's not going to put more on your plate. I mean, God's not going to just take somebody and then just 
bury them to where they can, they don't have a relationship with them. So God is like that coach who will do everything he can with your level of willingness. And he won't give you more than you can handle. So then I think, all right, so what am I, what am what do I have to handle right now? It's like, not much. So <laughs> God, God is being true to his word. I don't have more than I can handle. Yeah. I have some stuff. And we're called to be faithful in small things, right? Yeah. But it makes me think, oh, apparently God doesn't think I can handle that much. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I recognize his faithfulness and not giving me more than I can handle. But then the challenge is, is it, be, is it because I'm at my max or is it because I haven't already done what the coach has said? So yeah. I haven't put myself in a place to be pushed to the next step. And I don't even know I'm talking in kind of nebulous terms because I don't even know what the next step would look like right mm -hmm. now. <laughs> We're recording this. So I'll probably look back at that and go, really? You had no idea, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Well, but yeah, but I think that in a way, nobody really knows exactly what the next step is. I think there are some people that are like, yes, this is the direction I'm going. I think most people don't have that. Hmm. I think that I don't think that's how God works. And what, what do you mean by that? You said, I don't think God gives you a clear path. Most of the time, you do not know what your clear path four months out will be. I don't think God works that way. What the Bible seems to imply is that I'm going to give you marching orders for today. You don't worry about tomorrow. You, you come to me, you eat my bread, you, you read the word, you spend time in prayer. You have that relationship. You're working, you know, you're working on loving people, man. Oh man. If there's one thing I've learned from going through the Bible this year is love is such an important aspect that we are called to love each other and we are like, we're supposed to be going out of our way to help the poor, to help, you know, people. And those are like, those are foundational mm -hmm. start there. That's what I've discovered. Like that's where I need to go. If I, if I don't know what to do, well, help the poor be extremely loving to others and understanding and, and just patient and kind. Um, and then God's going to be speaking to you and you, and then faith comes in. Oh man. Yesterday I was reading Hebrews and Hebrews. I mean, when you read all through the Bible in chronological order, mm -hmm. it's so much more context than I ever realized. Huh? And we don't even know who wrote Hebrews, right? It's funny because up until last week, I would have been, I would have just said, ah, Paul wrote Hebrews. The only problem with that is I've read Paul and Sounds Paul different. does not write that way. I can't explain what is different, but when I read Hebrews, I think this is not Paul. If it is Paul, it he was writing a very specific way. It could be Paul. It is definitely a Jew. Someone who is... Uh, a Jew wrote that book because it is packed 
full of Old Testament. Hmm. And uh, it's so good. Hebrews is so good. Um, but there is a spot where it's talking about faith and what faith is and how in, important it is and where it comes from. Oh, man, I love it. It's It's been so exciting. But having that faith, and we're talking like faith in things unseen. We're talking about going out and doing something for God and it's, and it's putting yourself out there, right? Mm-hmm. It's walls of Jericho type stuff. It's, you know, it's going, and there's even, there's an awesome part where it just lists like probably 10, 12 different, some even amount of uh, people in the old Testament mm-hmm. who had faith and it explains what they did in faith. It was such a fun read because you're reading it and you're thinking, yeah, you're right. You know, Abraham did have faith when he did that. Yeah, you're right. He did have faith when Moses did have faith when he did that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you just gave me 12 examples of how faith works. Mm-hmm. And now I can, I, I see it. I can, I can model that. I can, you know, so now you, I'm going to have a kid when I'm 90. Nice. No. <laughs> so, um, but it, but it is interesting. Most of these people, your heard... oldest son would be a grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie's grandkids and and your son can play. There you go. And uh, <laughs> my grandkids and Stevie. Uh, but it's interesting. A lot of times, God does speak to these people, and then they they obey an obedient I'm sorry they're obedient their faith is that God's promise is actually going to come true so you need to be having that relationship with God so that you can hear him so that you can when he says hey I want you to do this or I'm going to give you this if you do this and it's going to be something hard it's going to be something you don't want to do it's inevitable it's it's going to be something that you don't think is possible because if it wasn't it's not faith. Right. It's not faith if it's not hard. If I tell you, "Hey, go spend 7 days walking around Jericho." You know on day 6 you're like we are just getting made fun of. I don't think yeah. this is working. What are the odds this thing's good? I haven't even seen a crumble. <laughs> the wall doesn't even look a little bit weaker. Yeah. And and then on the seventh day, if you're faithful, if you're, it, it's just so much fun to see. I hear the word faith and it's one of those words that has for so much of my life yeah. lacked meaning. Yeah. And so now I hear it and I'm like, okay, give me something. What is my next thing I that you want me to have faith in? It's nice to be able to have the clear um, word like Abraham somehow heard very clearly. You're going to have a son. Yeah. So, you know, Joshua obviously heard clearly to march around the wall seven times. Yes. I wonder if I've ever heard something clearly and then been unfaithful. And therefore I don't hear anything else. Because I don't have anything in my life right now that I feel like God has said, this is where you need to get to. Now, that doesn't mean it was never, that it's never happened, but 
you know, at this stage in my life, I don't have that real clear cut struggle where I feel like God is asking me to do this and I don't know how I can get there. So it's very easy to have faith when you don't have that defined. And I don't know that maybe it's, I wasn't listening good enough or I haven't really asked. Or you, just, um, or you do know and you just don't recognize that it was God that put that on your heart. Possibly. But if you don't recognize that it was God that put it on the on your heart, then the faith is probably less of a right or wrong thing. Because I'm, there's lots of things I've thought to do that I either believed would happen or I saw it through or I just threw it away because as far as I could tell, it was just my own ideas. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's probably a downer, but I just, when you say it to me, I think, oh, it is so exciting. And then I go, oh, how do I practically apply that? What is it that I'm, uh, what is it that I feel like I need to probably, I just need to get to the point where I'm consistently walking and hearing, you know, God's voice speak into my life to where I'm not doing get in the habit of not living for myself enough to where I can start going, okay, well, what is it that for other people that I should be doing in February? The very first thing that I thought to do was I have a friend of mine who's not a Christian and he has cancer and he lives across the country. And I knew that. And so right in March, uh, within a couple weeks of me recommitting my life, I thought, oh, I'm going to go and witness to this guy. So I jumped on a plane and flew to him and spent a couple of days with his family and witnessed to them. Uh, They didn't become Christians, but they it was well received and hopefully it planted a seed or did something. But I showed them that I care about them and I love them. And um, I still keep in touch with them loosely. But that was the one thing that I thought I could do it. And then I did it quickly. But then since then, I haven't had anything similar or I haven't had any other great ideas since then. So, yeah, and I don't I know think why I haven't. I think that's real. I mean, even David talks about how he and David, David was pretty close with God. There are times where David talks about how I just he, go by he, Dave, but it's okay. <laughs> King David. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, sometimes King David would say things like, man, God, I, I don't hear you like I, I, I want, I want to hear you. Yeah. And I think that's encouraging to me because when I don't feel like I'm hearing God, it, you're not alone. I'm not alone. You're not the first person to experience this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Got it. So, well, you want to get into Romans chapter seven? I do. All right. I think it's my turn to read. Romans seven fourteen through 17 is, and this is struggling with sin. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is a, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law, that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. 
It is the sin living in me that does it. Yeah. You hear that gremlin talk at the end? Oh, yeah. It's the sin living in me that does it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of... I, it almost sounds like he's not taking responsibility for his sin, but... Uh, I I uh, I can see that, um, but I feel like what he's describing is a universal experience. Yes. Um, I think this is one of the most relatable verses in the entire Bible. Right. I've heard people say, well, look how humble Paul is. Even Paul said that he doesn't do what he wants to do and does do what he doesn't. Um, it seems to me that he's just explaining something that's a universal human uh, experience. And that is that you genuine, everybody is genuinely trying to be their best, do their best and be consistent. Nobody wants to be a hypocrite to whatever law that they've, you know, whether it's being a Christian or whether it's just the, their own definition of being a good person. And everyone can look back at the last week and if they think about it can pinpoint a time or two where they lost their temper. They said something they shouldn't, they did something that was embarrassing. They, you know, did something that they wouldn't want everybody in their family to know that they did it were, and they honestly, if they were honest with themselves, they don't like that part of them. And so it doesn't seem like a lack of taking responsibility as much as I can look at myself being me and trying to be as best of me as I can. And I can look back and say, I don't like these things that I did or have done or am doing, but it's still me. So how do I reconcile that? As far as I can tell, I actually don't want to do this or I don't want to have done that. Or like in my honest goodness heart, I wish that I hadn't, you know, but you still did. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you reconcile that if I were to write on paper, what do I want to do? It wouldn't be these things. And I did it. You know, it's like, I want to wake up and I want to get everything done on Saturday. I want to not spend five hours watching binge watching a show instead of, you know, finishing up that report or, you know, I would like to be use my time better in the workday so that I can over deliver what I've promised instead of under deliver what I've promised. And, you know, all these things that I wish I was and wish I would do in the moment I do something else and you go, why would you do something in the moment that takes away from your ultimate goal? It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so what, what do you think the answer is? Obviously we don't have as much control over our actions and our motives than we think. Yeah. We're not strong enough to just will ourselves into being right. And you know, the law, like Paul says, is what shows us. So if we didn't have any rules and we couldn't actually define what being a good person is, then it's kind of like you can talk yourself into the fact that you are. Yeah. But once you see what you're supposed to do, or even like, even if you don't use uh, the Bible, if I were to write out the perfect week, you know, define my own law, what should I do this week? If it, if I was perfect and I could define it for myself. 
I could go at the end of the week and I guarantee that I would fall short of my own law at some moment in the week. And it's like, and I would see, huh, I can't even keep this, let alone God's standard of perfection. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, I mean, it says that we're a slave to sin, right? Like we, we just have no control over that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so how do we overcome it? I mean, it, there, if I think if we read further, it's going to say that you can, you're dead to sin, you know, right. You, sin has no power over us. That's where we get into that sort of definition or aspect quality of grace because it says here in 17, so I'm not the one doing wrong. And it's kind of like the way I dis- way I've described it is every single act that I do is in service to something. If I have a drink, it's because my body is thirsty, mm-hmm. right? If I do something nice for you, it's because I'm doing it serving this friendship. I want to cultivate the friendship, right? If I doesn't matter what there's no, there's nothing that I wake up and do that doesn't serve some purpose. And so essentially every single act that we do is in service to something other than that little soul or me inside that makes the decision. There's a little man in there that's deciding, all right, are we going to do this or that or this or that? And everything we do is to serve some purpose. So uh, when he says, I'm not the one doing wrong, it's kind of like, well, the inside me that's captured in this tiny slice of time called the present is trapped in a body and it's forced to do something and it's forced to serve something. And because our desires, everything inside of us is wants to serve this world, this body, our experiences and just live for that. And it's like, well, I'm not the one doing wrong. It's the sin in me. It's all my desires that are forcing me to make these impulse decisions that are wrong. And when you have the Holy Spirit in you, now you have a new, a new force in you. And the grace that we get, because that grace is what washes away our sins, what sets us apart. We recognize that God's sacrifice and what he did for us gave us access to the Holy spirit and his grace that came through it, that covers our sins. And it gives us with this new life, the motivation and, you know, strength and power to in every single moment, we no longer only have our own impulses and desires, but we have a whole new spirit inside of us competing and what the Bible says is it's stronger and we now can choose to live out of that spirit. That's not our sinful nature and do the things moment by moment that we wouldn't have ever thought of, but is going to lead to our much better situation in heaven. And when we'll start storing up treasures in heaven and we'll start bearing fruit here on earth and we'll start living a completely different life because it's, totally driven by something that's not the sin that we had before. Correct. Yeah. I think that's right on. 
I think I think that that grace, the grace that we experience, mm-hmm. is giving us if we if we tap into that grace and consider that grace and how much we appreciate God allowing us, and that becomes sort of our mindset mm-hmm. that we we won't have that desire or we won't that that sin that's living in us mm-hmm. will be can like confined and uh and and we won't focus on it we will we will focus on things that god is asking us to do like we were saying before 